Welcome to the Boiled Owl Coffee Club Podcast, the meeting after the meeting where we talk about our experience living sober. We don't speak for Alcoholics Anonymous. This is only our experience. We have no monopoly on sobriety. If you don't like our approach, that's okay. There's lots of ways to live and lots of ways to live sober. This works for us. I'm Don. And I'm Sam. Howdy, Sam. Hey, Don. How are you? I'm uh, I'm letting go just as hard as I possibly can. There you, you've worked up that bead of sweat once again. <laughs> I've I've had to do some letting go recently. Yeah, what's been going on? Yeah. I was standing at the kitchen sink, and I realized that I had a job I was doing, doing some artwork. And the person that hired me said they wanted this very intricate thing painted, two lamps painted like a, a Chinese painting style. It was very ornate and was going to take, I said, two weeks. And they called up and said, oh, the client that I'm going to sell this to needs it by this Friday, four days from now. And I was going, oh, uh, uh, well, uh, I'll see what I can do. And I, I hung up and I was trying to paint and I was like I had this anxiety like I gotta get this angle going but there's no way he told he said he wants it then and I don't think I can get it done by then but Y'all I'm really gonna try it see I was this just right like now. I was like worked up uh, I was filled with anxiety which is the way I've always worked my whole career okay I've been painting and working for other people and whatever their anxiety is I'll take it on and it's like, you know, I got to do it. And also if I, you know, if I'm not like doing it, then maybe I'm not working. If I'm relaxing. Oh, how dare you enjoy your work? <laughs> so I said that I don't want to feel this feeling anymore. I, this is not the way I want to work. So I said a prayer, asked God to direct my thinking. And D- asked God to wreck your thinking. Uh, to wreck my thinking. Maybe. <laughs> you know what? This is the Boiled Out Coffee Club, and I've had a little bit of coffee. It's probably I'm on about my fourth cup. <laughs> I got some Red Bull out there. You want some? <laughs> I think I've had enough, thanks. <laughs> hey, I can go decaf anytime. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I called up the guy and said, you know, there's no way I'm going to get this done by Friday. I might be able to get it done the following week, maybe by Wednesday, but it's not going to happen Friday. I'll do what I can. And I gave it back to him, and then I went back to work relaxed. I get that. And it's beautiful because it's I am still have the same job to do. I've got the same amount of work to do. I'm still going to do it at the same speed I was going to do it. I'm going to do it as fast as I can to, and make it look good. But I'm not going to be holding on to his anxiety that's the that's the thing. I mean, I, I I've experienced similar stuff. It's that thing of uh, carrying my integrity throughout my work. And integ- what do you mean? Well, in, so my integrity is 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 a big deal to me. Right now, it used to be this cash register honesty that I learned as a kid, but then it became more. I mean, so integrity was one of the reasons that I started over in 2012 because I met some people that I just really glommed onto. I mean, I just really connected with them and I realized that, you know, they, they kind of held a mirror up for me and I could not tell them with integrity that I was sober, 
Even though, by some people's standards, I was still sober. But not by your own. But not by my own. And so my integrity called me to to change my sobriety date. Mm-hmm. Um, integrity is really important. Well, I carry that into my business, too. Um, uh, so I'm an IT consultant, mm-hmm. uh, self-employed. And uh, in doing that, you know, I, first of all, I'm a good IT guy. I'm by no means the greatest around by any stretch. But I'm really good at taking care of people. I learned how to take care of people in in growing up in my parents' and grandparents' businesses. Bringing my integrity into that quote-unquote salesmanship, that customer care role, really is important. And so whenever I'm working with a client and telling them that it's going to take this amount of time to do this thing, and then they change stuff on me and say, well, we want it in less time. Well, sorry. No, you can't have it in less time. Uh, and, and and I'm not that abrasive about it, but it but it, it really is that conversation because I will get screwed up. My shoulders will be up around my ears, just like you looked a minute ago mm-hmm. about taking on that person's anxiety. I love the way you put that because it doesn't work for me. And then, and I I had this happen recently where a client was kind of putting me through their 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 scatteredness was something that was being uh, put upon me. And I started feeling resentful towards the client. And it was just one of those things of, no, I need to pull back into me. I need to pull back into my integrity, tell them again what I told them from the start. This is what you can do, and you, and you can do it for them. Exactly. And then my shoulders can drop from my ears. I know that I am being open and honest with people. I don't have to keep up with stories. I don't have to any manage. I don't have to manipulate. That's what, like, th- that anxiety, you can get into a place where you're making promises that you, then you find, oh, I said, it. okay, I'll do it. And then you realize that you can't do it. And then, you know, and then you're not living with integrity. No. And it's incredibly... It's an incredible amount of freedom from doing this, from letting go. Now, you've got to make the customer happy, but you just don't have to take on all of their anxiety. It's that. And, you know, sitting here just hit me that it's it's so related to step nine for me, too. Because once I started doing those amends when I first worked the steps was when I stopped avoiding people. I was not afraid to run into anybody because I was willing to clean up anything I needed to clean up with people. Well, I don't want to feel that avoidance thing. Right. If I allow myself to be put into a situation with a client where uh, something that we said was going to take two weeks and they are like, well, we need it in a week now. I'm sorry. It, I'm not going to, if I, if I tell them, okay, I'll get, I'll make sure that that happens. Then when I realize that I can't, or, or things start going wrong or, you know, cause I mean, so much can go wrong in a, when you're rushing like that, yep. then there is absolutely going to be this desire to avoid the client. I don't want to interact with them because I don't want to give them the bad news yep. or, or any of that. Or it can cause you to underbid Ooh, a yeah. job and then you're like fighting against yourself because you know you underbid it. So then mm. you can't give the service that you should be giving. That's right, because then I'm and, taking food out of the dog's mouths. Uh, out of kids' mouths. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My, the, the dogs are my kids. <laughs> okay. 
Well, keep your hands out of their mouths. Speaking of keeping your hands out of a dog's <laughs> oh, mouth. no. <laughs> we have a guest. We do have a guest. Hi, who are you? Introduce yourself. <laughs> hey, I'm Sally. Hey, Sally. <laughs> Why would I ever I say that about the dog's mouth? Well, because a year ago I was attacked by a dog, and I won't get into any of the details about it, but the end result was I lost half of my index finger. Which is really traumatic. It was. It was very, very traumatic. And so you must be an expert at working AA <laughs> to be able to, to do uh, that. She, she came in here in her graduation robes and mortarboard hat with the, and, and turned the tassel. <laughs> it, and I say that because I know yeah. you, and yeah. you no. are you, you're not filled with anger and resentment over this incident. So, but first, mm. when did you get sober? May fifteenth, two thousand and eleven. All right, so you've been doing this for eight years now. Almost. That's cool. Almost, yeah. How does one have something like uh, traumatic, like losing the tip of your finger on uh, on your right hand or on your primary hand? It's not my primary hand. It's, it's not your primary hand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, but losing the tip of your finger is like it's something to go through. Yes, yeah. How did you deal with that? Oh, one day at a time. <laughs> one day at a time. It happened on a Sunday, and by Tuesday, I was in therapy. Monday, the next night, I was at the way out. <laughs> I, you know, That's a group. It's a group. Mm -hmm. um, so I went to a meeting Monday night where I knew people. Yeah, definitely got into a meeting pretty quickly. Because mm -hmm. I you also, dove into AA. Well, yeah, I mean, I had to, it, it, mm -hmm. I was, I was, um, I was traumatized. I was mad and sad and in pain. I had narcotics mm -hmm. in my system. And you had to deal with taking narcotics. So you had yeah, to, I mean, you yeah. were in a lot of pain. It was, it was a very painful thing. I was in the back of the ambulance and, um, I've been told I remained calm throughout the whole thing. There were a whole lot of people around. Um, but I got into the back of the ambulance and the paramedic was great. You know, he said, I'm going to start an IV and I'm going to get some pain medicine into you. And I said, okay, uh, I'm not sure I, I'm not sure I really want any, any, and he said, what, what I said, what are you going to give me? He said, I'm going to give you fentanyl. I said, I don't think I want to have any fentanyl. Um, I'm not sure I want, and I didn't tell him I was in recovery, but I just obviously seemed pretty leery mm -hmm. about it. I was also somewhere in my brain aware that I was still in shock, mm -hmm. that the, the, the pain was not here yet, you know? Um, so he, because my finger was, it was an avulsion in which the, everything but the bone was gone. Oh, wow. So it was, a, it was a crazy bloody mess and like the tendon that goes all the way to your elbow that does nothing but wiggle the tippy-tippy part of your finger was pulled out. So I mean, it had damage down there. And um, but anyway, so and he said, listen, now's not the time to be a hero. Oh, and I said, yeah. okay. 
I'm glad you listened. Okay. Good. Yeah. So <laughs> I know. So um, so I allowed him to to give me some fentanyl. It was uh, I was very grateful for it because you know, it it goes through the system very quickly. It's a fast acting drug, and by the time we got to the emergency department, I was needing more, and he gave me the rest of the vial. So, I mean, so, like, from five minutes after the event happened, I was already kind of facing uh, what I perceived as a threat to my recovery. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's not the time to really... And I, I was, on one hand, I was really glad that I was aware of that. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand... He was right. This is not the time to be Sally sobriety. I need to have my pain controlled. So, yeah. did you, you did know. you have problems with drugs getting sober, or was it just alcohol? Uh, I remember I heard Robin Williams say once years ago, "I was on everything but skates," and <laughs> that is, you know, the way I was. I wanted. To, I would do. I did a whole lot of. Anything, acid, pharmaceuticals. I remember snorting horse tranquilizers once. Um, you know, someone, <laughs> someone had them. Is that what it is? Okay, I don't know. Anyway. Oh my God. This ridiculous. I've got, I've got to just do a quick segue. Yeah. So there's a nightclub that I used to work at here in Greensboro. It's been closed for a long time, but someone started a Facebook group that's the reuniting oh, of yeah. all the staff. And the people who used to go to the nightclub. And there's so much talk about all the K-holes and the ecstasy and, and all the yeah. stuff that was being done there. And yeah. so, oh my yeah, God. Okay. I anyway, know. that was our so, right yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, so I did I did everything I could uh, get my hands on. But I, I never considered myself to be, I never used a needle. And I never tried heroin because I knew that enough to be afraid of it. Yeah. I was, you know, had enough common sense left for that. So, um, but at me. the crisis when you quit drinking, it was the, when alcohol. you came in, was it alcohol yeah. or was it well, drugs and, and alcohol? It was or? alcohol. I mean, I kind of like the way I describe it in my mind is um, alcohol is a bookend. It started with alcohol. It mm-hmm. ended with alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, everything else in between, there was a lot of things in between, but alcohol was my first and my last and alcohol would fix my other buzzes. You know, if I had to balance myself Mm -hmm. out, if I had done too much Coke or if I had, you know, if I was, had done too many hits of acid, I could always have some alcohol and it would smooth me out. Um, Yeah. 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 That's, that's the way it was for me too. Yeah. So it, it, it it was my fixer. Mm -hmm. And, but did you you have problems with drugs then? With with the incident and and getting over the period of time that you had to deal with pain, no, you didn't. It, that's great. So no. you didn't have no. I mean, and I and I had a script for some oxy. I think I used it probably three nights, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit during the day, and I used it under under the direction and guidance of a physician. Yeah, and I had, I'm. Married to someone in recovery, so um, he did the rest. Yeah, of it. so he was <laughs> no, no, no. he was able to administer for mm-hmm. me, and and it works great like that. I mean, I, if if some if someone's in need for short term 
yeah. pharmaceutical for pain relief, you know, having um, someone to administer your meds, even it's if it's not a great. spouse, um, is is a really great way to go because it takes know, it deal. out of your control. It is. So I've, I've been through um, a couple of major surgeries over mm-hmm. the past few years and obviously had to use pain meds as well. Mm-hmm. And, and it sounds like, I mean, so my, rather than having someone administer those pain meds, uh, well, during the initial like recovery yeah. that was yeah. totally being done. Yeah. Uh, but once I got home and, and I was lucid, if yes. you will, um, the, the method that I've employed over the years has been that there's a notepad and mm-hmm. a pen right beside the bottle on mm-hmm. the counter. And I write down the, uh, the time of every dose because that won't let me cheat. Yeah. Um, Keep yourself it, honest. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so if it says every four hours, then I'm not taking it at three hours and 45 minutes. Yeah. Because I would, sure. and then at three hours, uh, et cetera. But yeah. then, it, but it's also. But you got to be willing to be honest with yourself. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. Yes. But also, I couldn't wait to get off of the pain meds. That was the thing. I just, isn't that interesting? It is yeah, nuts. It, it, that is not normal. That's a miracle, right thinking. there. That's a miracle. <laughs> It, it is. I, I, and before this had happened, I had had some surgery three or four years before that. Let's see. I came home and I took one. Uh, I think he prescribed Vicodin. I took one for one night. And then I switched to ibuprofen. Because, I mean, actually, ibuprofen and Tylenol work better. That's pain, what I mean. pain meds don't affect your pain. Pain meds make you not care. care. If you're yes. in pain, yeah. that's, you know, they're, they're not working on your pain receptors, which is a great thing know. to point out because, you know, alcohol did mm-hmm. that for me too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and yeah. the other drugs, like in my major party days at the nightclub and all yeah. that, I didn't fit in, but yeah. once you got me drunk or high, I didn't care that I didn't fit in. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> I thought that's, I fit in. That's what alcoholism is. Actually the out al- the alcohol, that's why they say alcohol is but a symptom. Uh huh. Yeah. Because... The, the alcohol, we just use it to get out of our pain. I just get out of the way I feel, so I don't feel that way. But it doesn't really affect yeah. the pain. It just makes it so you don't care about it. It doesn't yeah. affect it, and then you have to deal with it the next day. Yeah. yeah. And, the, and, and, and the consequences of, the, uh, the consequences. of what you did while you were drunk. Mm-hmm. Well, you've added to it. Yeah. So, so you take more. Of course. But then if you, you were, are a proper alcoholic. Oh, yeah. but then you get sober and what the program is is actually dealing with the pain yeah (laughs) actually Mm -hmm. dealing with real life the things that i drank at Mm -hmm. in reality deal with those things instead of like just trying to get out of them i mean and then and you know the couple times recently between my finger and this other surgery is um it didn't make the ibuprofen and the Tylenol didn't make the pain go away. It helped the pain, Mm -hmm. but I've faced the pain. I embraced it. And, and it's just when I kind of wrapped my head around the fact that this was going to hurt, this thing still hurts. My little finger still hurts. Janet. No kidding. How long has it been? Um, it was a year, March 4th. Still hurts. So, I mean, and it's it's doesn't it doesn't hurt like it used to. But sometimes mm-hmm. I get phantom pain. But mm-hmm. I'm trying to start to touch surfaces with it. Um, <laughs> and it's still just all the nerve. Don't touch endings. the mic with oh, your phantom sorry. finger. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but it, it still tingles and it's sensitive. Interesting. Uh-huh. You know. So one of the things I'm curious about. So the the, the fellowship caught you mm-hmm. at uh, when this trauma happened. Mm-hmm. You know, they, the the fellowship was there for you and 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 came in around you and and held and had you. And I'm sh- I'm sure your program was in play at that point too. But the, when when you're dealing with something like the the loss of an of, of an appendage, mm-hmm. um, this is an ongoing thing. There are things that, I mean, I remember you and I have talked about typing. I mean, yeah. how the hell do you type when you're missing an <laughs> index finger? I couldn't type so, well before, and now it's even worse. <laughs> so so there's ongoing stuff that I wonder how I would handle. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure I would have resentment at the the effects of how this is affecting me down the road. Zim, yeah. I, I, I have rage. Well, yeah. 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 Yeah, I think I have. I mean, I think I still have some resentments, I suppose. But, uh, you know, what it, I learned in the program that resentment is the number one offender. Resentment's going to get me drunk again. And, mm-hmm. and if I get drunk again, I'm going to lose a lot more than a finger. So... Yeah, sometimes I get a little resenty, but, you know, it's because of working the steps and, and being close to the program and kind of employing all the things I've learned, it doesn't stick around too long. I can kind of float out of it and, or I can look at my resentment and kind of the way I looked at my physical pain and say, look at this, how curious, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. Okay. Um, oh. Because I, I mean, every day I look at my hand, it's kind of, you know, it's the resentment's always in the back of my head. So it's not going to go anywhere. So I've got to just kind of be able to go, well, you're just not going to go anywhere. So we're just going to have to deal with you somehow. So it, I let it float through. It kind of floats off and, and it doesn't eat my lunch. But it's still there, which is, so sometimes I struggle with that. It's like, okay, I'm supposed to get rid of these resentments, but I have a constant reminder. So maybe, you know, does, but does that mean I've let the resentment go because I don't let it bother me? Um, Is it no longer a resentment? Has it morphed into just something that's a part of my life that, that sucks? (laughs) So... Well, if you have, you know, it's not like we're not going to have anger and we're not going to have feelings in sobriety. Bad feelings, unwanted feelings are going to come up. The question is, how am I going to deal with them? Do I Mm -hmm. feed them? Yeah. And and the resentment thing is feeding it. And if what you describe sounds to me like uh, uh, incredibly working the program, which is like going... Oh, there's that resentment. Mm-hmm. Here it is. I'm not going to nurse it. Yeah. You know, I'm not curse gonna, it or rehearse it. I'm not going <laughs> to nurse it, curse like it that. or rehearse it. That's awesome. been on the show before. Nurse yeah. It, yeah. Curse it or I'm going to let it. it go through, go yeah. through me, and I'm yeah. not going to become attached to it. Yeah. And that's not resentment. That's just uh, the, the anger mm-hmm. of what happened to you is a yeah. real feeling, and and there is justifiable anger. Mm-hmm. The question is, what are you going to do with it? Yeah. Well, and I'm, yeah. I'm hearing a lot of acceptance in this too. That, yeah. you know, and, and it's, yeah. and, and, and always, I, I, not always, but frequently I try to bring out that you know, acceptance is not approval, but acceptance is this mm. is what is. Yeah. 
And yeah. I know I can't change that. This, mm-hmm. this, res- my finger is the way it is. Mm-hmm. I can't change that. Um, my resentment, my feelings about this are there and I can't make them not be there. Yeah. So I will accept that they are there yeah. and then continue to work my program and live, try to live along these lines. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll never be a hand model now. Never. Well, <laughs> your, your other hand. But I didn't want to be a hand model before. before. Oh. So, so okay. Okay. I wonder that one of the one of the things that I appreciate about you is that and I that is both so clever, brilliant, and amusing is that you named the stub of your finger. Yes. <laughs> which changes this horror into I I don't know what, how to describe it like a pet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, um, I named her Janet. You, you named her Janet. Yes, because sweet uh, Janet. I wanted to name it so I Janet from accounting. You know, <laughs> um, when it was the healing was progressing, mm-hmm. and I had to do my own dressing changes because Doug could not. Um, he just doesn't have the stomach for these things. Mm. I do. I'm good with wounds. I'm good with wound care, but still, I would. Um, That's what you do for mm-hmm. a living. You're a I'm nurse. a nurse, so I would have to do the dressing changes, and I would go in my bathroom and shut the door. <laughs> and I know poor, he couldn't look at it. Um, and I would remove the dressing, and the first time I removed the dressing because they had to basically they snipped the bone and then like covered made a skin flap Mm -hmm. of some sort. So it was healing and it had to be dressed and changed in a certain way. Not to belittle what you're saying at all, but we went through this with a cattail. Oh, that's right. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So uh, similar to that, you know, but, um, so, but the first time I went into the bathroom and shut the door and unwrapped it, I just, I saw it and I just started weeping and it was just, it was, it was very emotional and I was crying and I was weeping and I was not changing the dressing enough. And I went back to my appointment and um, the PA had a come to Jesus meeting with me. She said it's, it wasn't getting infected. It wasn't getting gnarly or anything, but it just wasn't getting enough air. Okay. Um, and I said, okay, well, truthfully, I haven't been changing enough because I'm just having trouble looking at it. Yeah. She said, well, you, you better get used to it because you've got to change it or else you're going to have to come in here and we're going to have to. I said, all right, fine, fine. So I had to make this thing friendly. I was like, all right, I've got to look at you and I've got to face you and I'm going to name you Janet. <laughs> and, and it, and That's it kind of helped me, you know, I mean, like, and, and suddenly I wasn't dressing my gnarled, right. grody stuff. You're taking care of Janet. I was taking care of Janet. I had to reframe it, and, you know. It's beautiful. And so, and it would help help me communicate what was going on with my finger with Doug and people around me. It says Janet, you know, like if I would get looking weird, I mean, like, oh, Janet hurts. It's Janet. Or I couldn't go outside without my hands getting cold and really painful. Mm-hmm. It's Janet. She's fine. Let's take care of Janet. You know, <laughs> so. And it also, damn it, Janet. Damn it, Janet. Quit <laughs> <ride>. <laughs> <No>. asshole. <laughs> 
Rock, so, little Rocky yeah. Horror throwback there. Yeah. And it makes it okay to talk about it with other people. That was what happened. That was the reaction yeah. that happened with me because mm-hmm. you said your name is Janet. I was going, Janet. And the next thing you know, we're talking about your finger. Mm-hmm. And it would be like an uncomfortable conversation. Right. Uh, framed differently. But framed mm-hmm. as Janet, it was like. It's Janet. You know. Sweet Janet. Sweet Janet. Yeah. Sweet Janet. Janet. <laughs> I'm surprised Janet has, doesn't have a, a face tattooed yet. Oh, I know. Well, I've thought about it. <laughs> I've thought about getting a um, fingernail tattoo or getting a little face or something. But maybe at some point. I don't know. <laughs> Let's go back to the beginning when okay. you got sober. Yeah. What was uh, your experience coming into AA? It's AA is the largest organization in the world filled with members who never wanted to be there. (laughs) No doubt. (laughs) I was one of them for sure. I've been an alcoholic for years and I knew it, but I prefer... You actually knew that you were an alcoholic. Well, I framed it as lush because that sounded nicer. I I think I did know. Uh-huh. I think I knew it wasn't, uh, it wasn't all over my family first time, you know, self-diagnosed, but so it's not like, it's not like I grew up in an alcoholic family, but I knew that I had to drink every night and I knew that when I wasn't drinking, I was thinking about drinking, but I still chose to frame it as oh, I'm a, I'm a lush, kind of like how I did with Janet. You know, I framed this disease as... I just like to drink a lot. Um, mm. But I knew. I mean, I knew. I met this guy. It's always a guy. <laughs> yeah, always a guy. So I met this guy, it was, and I found out that he was in recovery, and my first thought was, oh, how nice. It was, oh, shit. <laughs> you know, shit. <laughs> Everything else was so great about him. Now what? You know, so. And it's a threat. It was. It was a threat to my drinking. Yeah. I didn't appreciate that really. But then, it everything else about him was great for me. And I was at that point. I was kind of on a winning streak. I hadn't been drinking a ton because I was um, going to the Y a lot and exercising a lot. And so and they won't let you take your wine there <laughs> or your <laughs> beer. Your or <laughs> were you doing? Were you doing controlled drinking, or were you just naturally not drinking? As I think much? I was trying to do controlled drinking. I think I was also just not drinking as much. But I was in. I had gone back to school. I had left a a marriage and had to do something. I was going to get back into school, mm-hmm. so I was, you know, having to get up and go to class again at forty. That's tough to do with a hangover. Ah, Yes, the hangovers got so much worse. So Mm. I was kind of having to cut back. But anyway, so I knew I was really into this guy that didn't drink. So there's another reason not to drink so much. So I was trying to do some controlled drinking and trying not to drink. Um, And I thought, well, I'm going to be a good partner and a good girlfriend. And I'm going to go to (laughs) Al-Anon. So... I hear a lot of us do come in through Al-Anon. <laughs> right? so, he didn't drink, and so you went to Al-Anon. Sure. So I was being supportive. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good. <laughs> yeah, good one, huh? So I went to Al-Anon, and Al-Anon was great. And... Yeah, really, because you know why? They're all about letting go 
of others letting go with Detaching love, with love. Detaching, right. with detach with love. With detaching with love. And an alcoholic, if you're like me, I love to detach with love. I mean, let me detach <laughs> yeah. and let me focus on my own stuff. Yeah. Mm. It's kind of the opposite problem from the Al Anon problem that <laughs> yeah. I have. My problem is I won't attach. <laughs> yeah. Stop talking about me, Don. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Al-Anon was great. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And then... Sitting in the room going, shit, they're talking about me. Ah! Oh, my God. You realize yeah. you were the bull in the china what? shop. Oh, my God. You know, and like, no wonder mm. I don't feel super... Like, it, I was enjoying the meetings, but I was also kind of like... Part of me was definitely thinking, God, God come on. <laughs> you know, come on enough already and <laughs> then i realized that oh the reason maybe why i'm thinking that like they need to just shut up or whatever because <laughs> i'm the drunk oh my god I'm i like, love oh. that so all these beautiful people in al-anon without even knowing it really helped me Good. understand that i was probably not in the right room and so it was funny because did you talk about your drinking no <laughs> No, 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 no. Well, I mean, certainly not during a meeting, but did you like after no, a meeting or no. with any connection? How did they help you? Well, they didn't know they helped me. Oh, okay. gotcha. They, they okay. helped me understand that I was the, I was the problem. Oh, I was yeah. the drunk. Mm-hmm. And um, before I had met Doug, I had met another woman that was open about her recovery. And, and she had gone to some of those meetings with me. And so Doug went on this... 99 Americans thing, this project that he was doing in which he was going mm-hmm. to be out of town for an entire month. So I called her and had her come over. She took me to a meeting. So she took me to, I think it was Radiance, the speaker meeting. And I was in that room and there was some middle-aged black guy up on the podium that I who's telling my story, you know, it was crazy. Mm. And, um, I looked around and just found my people. It was just, oh, this is my group. This is my tribe. I'm in the right place. And so I started going to as many speaker meetings during that month Mm. as I could. That's a good, that's a good way to start. If you, if you want to find out if you're an alcoholic, I'm not sure, go to speaker meetings because there you hear, from different points of view, mm-hmm. different people's stories and mm-hmm. begin to, and if you go looking at what is it that they're saying that's all alike, mm-hmm. well, not what's different, but what's alike. Yeah. That's where I identified mm-hmm. that I am an alcoholic. I have mm-hmm. those same feelings. And I, as a friend puts it in the rooms that I just, I, I really love the way he says this. But it's, it's to the effect that if, if you can relate to the way we drank, if you can relate to these stories, then you can relate to our solution, too. Yeah, yeah. That's I love a, that. That's really cool. That is cool. Yeah. I mean, and I saw this in another meeting. I saw this this cute little young girl who was telling my story. And I saw this, like, white butch college kid jock guy. He was telling my story. I mean, and then... Some old dude with white hair was telling my story. And like I never saw anyone that aligned with what how I identified as myself. Mm-hmm. But they were telling my story. And so I was like, wow, this is amazing. So that was heavy. 
you know, and, and I never told Doug I was doing this because I was still, I think I was still afraid maybe. And, and I want to make so sure. So Doug is your boyfriend? Yeah, at the time he was my boyfriend. And he was sober? Yeah, he was sober. So, so you didn't tell him that you were, and you were drinking? Um, Not much, but, you know, he knew I was, you know. And then as we got to know each other, I think that he, he's told me before as as he we got to know each other, he was like, man, I think she, she's one of us. But, you know. <laughs> but he not didn't want to label No, him. he didn't want, you know. He didn't want to do anything like that. And and I knew that he would go to meetings and, you know, and I knew that if he didn't go to meetings, we couldn't have the relationship that, that we were starting to build. Mm -hmm. So that's about what I knew. So you hid from him that you're going to meetings. <laughs> uh, I Yeah, while he was out of town. And I hid it from him mostly because I didn't want to start going to meetings because of him. I wanted it to be for me and mm -hmm. about me, and I didn't want it to have anything to do with him. That's the perfect reason to go to. Yeah, I mean, I didn't want to join AA because he was in AA, and I didn't want to be in recovery because that's the only way that we could have a relationship because I just didn't want to frame it like mm -hmm. that, and I right. wanted it to be all of mine. You wanted to have an honest response to it. Okay, honesty. That wasn't Ooh. really something I had thought about before. <laughs> <laughs> um but definitely, it was more like, it's mine, mine, my recovery. So, yeah. So, it's a little bit too early for talking about honesty. Yeah. At that point, <laughs> That's why yeah. they took that word out of the steps. Yeah. Or the tradition. Yeah, the tradi an honest desire to stop, stop drinking, drinking for tradition. Yeah. For I did to not want to stop drinking. <laughs> I didn't want to stop drinking. So you went to speaker meetings and then yeah, I went to you speaker get a sponsor? Meetings. Not yet. It took me a while. Um, so I was going to meetings for 30 days. I I don't know if I'd done 30 and 30, but I had been going very regularly for 30 days and I had stayed sober for 30 days. So when he came back, we went to, because I had gone to a meeting no, I didn't go to a meeting with him before that. I wanted to go to a meeting with him. And anyway, I picked up a 30-day chip, and I didn't tell him. So he was like, whoa, 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 when I, <laughs> I jumped up and got my chip, and he was all surprised. I um, love that. So I did this. I did do this for me, and I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't making a huge lifestyle change for a guy, you know? Yeah. Um, especially because it was something that I did not want to do. So I did not want to quit drinking. I remember, you, know. you didn't want to quit drinking, no. yet you kept going, yet you mm -hmm. didn't want to quit because of him. Right. That, that's some conf yeah. conflicting well, I think, emotions. There. I know. I think what I wanted to do is I wanted to be able to drink, you know. That's what I, that's right? what I was hoping was I could yeah. find out how to drink like, could I, normally. Could I just, I want to drink, but I want to. So I didn't want to, but... Um, after going to Al-Anon meetings and after seeing these speaker meetings and after, you know, just getting the feeling of the people in the, in the rooms, it, it was like, well, I don't want to have to do this, but I think I need to. Mm. And I wanted what they had. I wanted what you guys had. That's kind of sounds like that moment of clarity, that yeah. moment of, of allowing if to, to use your word, Don, allowing that this is a real thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, 
Yeah. I don't want this to be real. Acceptance yeah. again. Yeah, yeah. I don't want this to be real, but it's real. But it's real. I guess I quit. I mean, I remember just I, I was I was driving and I just remember thinking, well, I guess I'm not gonna drink anymore. Damn it. You know, it's like <laughs> I was kind of mourning the loss. Yeah, absolutely. Of, there is grief with quitting. Yeah. You know, I think I my last when drink. I quit smoking. Yeah, too. I think my last drink was a, a kind of a goodbye to alcohol. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I, 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 I drank what I thought was going to be that last drink, and then yeah. forty-two days later, I got drunk one more time, mm-hmm. and it really was kind of just like a. And I don't recommend this, folks, but it was kind of like I really can't do this. Farewell. Yeah. Adieu. So I'll long. Good farewell. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah. Except yeah. it was a little so long, farewell. I wish a shame. Recovery, uh, the musical. <laughs> Can I go pee? Yes. yes. We have microphones podcast. in there too. Oh, no. <laughs> We're almost out of time, but I want to. Oh. I want to get. To what is something that happened? Whether it's a, in recovery, whether it's a spiritual experience, or perhaps uh, something with a four step, or make at some point making amends. What's something that happened to you in recovery that you said this working the steps thing, this AA thing, is so positive that I want to do this. This really works. What's something that happened that really just shocked you? That th- this is amazing. Um, you mean like an example of mm-hmm. something, the miracles and stuff. Personal, I mean, yeah, personal. Experience. Personal, okay, personal experience. Because I mean, because the the rooms moved me. So I mean, there the meetings were very powerful for me. Um, hearing other people speak because I never shared mm-hmm. for the longest time. Yeah. That's but probably good in a speaker meeting. I think, well, <laughs> in other meetings. And but, that's um, really what I'm trying to do here is get you to share. Ah, <laughs> Let's um, keep talking, Don. So <laughs> one thing that, well, I think that um, fairly early on in recovery, my father passed away. Oh, okay. Um, he had been fighting with cancer for about 10 years and... You know, things were really good with us, but he got to see me sober. And I don't think my parents ever really accepted that I was am an alcoholic. You know, yeah, I just don't think they, they ever really, probably because they, they only saw what they wanted to see, you know. That, that was I true knew, with my parents. Yeah, like, but I knew that just, I was my sober. My mother kept saying to me, well... I know you feel like you still need to go to those meetings. Yeah. But she it was clearly that she knew that I didn't need to go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that's kind of how but, my stepmom feels. And the reason feels. was because for me going to those meetings was saying I'm an alcoholic. I mean, it was not easy for her to accept that I was an alcoholic. Cause and this is where I got it. Alcoholism was a shameful thing. Yes. And I had to get over that when I came into AA mm-hmm. and learn what it was. It was a disease, and I had to teach her that. So mm-hmm. it wasn't easy for her. Yeah, and maybe it's a, you know, it, my parents were in the generation that it was shameful. I, I, you it, know, I mean, definitely. Yeah. It was the trench coat under the bridge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
But when my father passed, because I remember when my my father was in remission for a good while, and before I was sober, he it came back, and I remember drinking at that. You did? Yeah, you know, it was a great excuse to drink. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember drinking at that because it was upsetting. And when he passed, it was a great opportunity to drink, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I didn't. It was pretty cool. I didn't drink. I went to a meeting. I oh. talked to my sponsor. You know, it was, did that you was ever, kind did of a miracle. No. It had been removed. Yeah, it's crazy. It was crazy. And then my mom also had cancer. And when she passed a year or so later, I, I didn't want to drink. And I got through the funeral and everything. And things that would, would grind my gears just don't anymore and didn't. I remember for my mother's funeral, I don't get along with my stepdad. Doug and I were trying to leave the church, and the funeral procession left without us. <laughs> and so we're like, well, damn, man. So we <laughs> so we, we drove down. I knew where she was, she, which cemetery she was going to be buried in. So... We went to the cemetery. We're fine. We'll just catch up with them. We're driving all around the cemetery. We cannot find the funeral anywhere. We cannot. We can't find the casket. We can't find nothing. We can't. I didn't know there was an annex. Like you had to cross this major road, turn left, turn right, and there's oh, an wow. annex because they had run out of space because it's you know. So I didn't know that, and so by the time we found. The funeral, they had already put her in the ground and everyone was leaving. And I just looked at Doug and I'm like, well, let's go Smashburger, you know, let's just go. And instead of being like, damn it. I mean, I, could, I would have had a fit. In the yeah. Past. Might have made a scene, you know, right. because they and basically just said, you don't need to be part of this. And instead I was like, well, let's just go eat. Well, I, I imagine if you were still drinking at that time, you probably would have had some drinks in you, too. Uh, well, yeah, good point. I would have been drunk making a scene, mm. you know. But so How can I make this about me? <laughs> can I believe you left me out at the funeral? Um, yeah, you know, so... I mean, these are stressful things. and Very, yeah. And I didn't want to drink at them. That, that's amazing to me, you know. Um, I it love does that. Seem it's impossible. The the problem has been removed. Mm-hmm. We are neither cocky nor are we afraid. I love that line. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, so, and that, yeah. that's what it is. I mean, it. it mm-hmm. I, I'm not actively trying not to drink today. Exactly. Yeah. I don't have to try. It's just. It. I think. I. It, I think it would be harder to try to drink. At this point, mm-hmm. you know. Well, but and somebody who's not in recovery doesn't really understand that. I was no. you know, we've we've been talking about all this medical stuff. I had uh, I was in the, uh, had an endoscopy endosco- where they put a tube down your throat and take a look at your heart. So I had to um, have this procedure done. I was on the table and we we're waiting for the doctor to come in before they put me to sleep. And well, actually. <laughs> They gave me this stuff to drink. They said, um, you, you want you to drink this. Now, this tastes terrible, but it's going to numb your throat. 
And I said, okay, well, I'll drink it. She said, drink the whole thing. What I want you to gargle it and then swallow it. And I did it. And she said, well, you hardly made a face at all. And I said, oh, I've drank much worse stuff than this. next thing I'm expecting out of your mouth is, can I have some more? (laughs) It was really not bad. And I said, I'm an alcoholic. She said, uh, and I've been in recovery for, at at that point, it had been 22 years. And she said, 22 years. Oh, that must be hard. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, no, no, it's wonderful. It's been the best best thing that ever happened to me. I've been white-knuckling it for 22 years. Well, that's what she thought, I guess. Well, that is the perception, is that it's, it's a willpower thing. Yeah. And yeah. it's not. It's it's not. I mean, it. Yeah, people have got this strange idea about us. You know <laughs> that that we're every day like having DTs. And oh my God! Like, don't I let me to, see any alcohol. Oh, I can't be around it. And blah blah. blah. Well, it's, it's like you described. Fine. It's being free from alcohol. Yeah, yeah, it's that's huge miracle and. And being free from fear, mm-hmm. even the fear of large fowl. <gasps> Look up in the sky, circling Is that around. A bat? That's a pterodactyl. <laughs> That's an owl with a letter in his mouth. What about the? But but I gotta say, there's a giant. What was it? A sea eagle or something like that? That's like making meme news right now. That snatched a lamb. <gasps> no. Yes. No. Yeah. So that's all up in the yeah. What a dragon. Now everybody knows exactly when we recorded this episode. <laughs> It's time for our old timers question. Who you calling an old timer? Goodness. You. That's what happens if you don't drink and you don't die. Well, no matter how long you've been sober, (laughs) it's still, look at me, one day at a time, Sonny. You can post a question for us on boiledowlaa.org. We have a question. This question comes from Charles in El Paso. How did you guys figure out what to say and what not to say in an amends? Don hasn't. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There was one amends that I made. It took me a year working with my sponsor to make the amends. Mm. And it was all about that very question. What he wanted me to do was write out what I was going to say. So I, I wrote it out, about a paragraph long, and he said, what are you doing here? This is not about, because this person had done more to me than I had done to him. And that's and, what it's all about. I mean, it actually, he really had done more to me than I had done to him. But that didn't mean that I hadn't done something. Mm-hmm. And for me to look at my part and not talk about him and his part was, I just didn't see how it was possible. So uh, anyway, I wrote out this paragraph and he said, you're talking all about him here. This is not about him. He just, my sponsor sat, sat me down and described what I'm trying to accomplish. So he said, I want you to pray about it and write it again in a couple of weeks. Well, I did that and I did that for a year. (laughs) I probably, I probably wrote it about 10 
times. Mm-hmm. And by the last time, he said, I, you've got it. Because I was no longer addressing anything that, that he did. I only was looking at the things in my behavior that don't work. So it's my character defects. Mm-hmm. The things in my behavior that, that were acting up that caused me to do things that any reasonable person would consider bad behavior. I had bad behavior. And and by the end of that year of doing that process of writing it out, so it's eight, step eight, made a list of all persons we'd harm and became willing to make amends to them. And that's why they're separated from that way because I needed to understand what I did. I was so blinded by what, what had happened to me that I was like unwilling to look at my part and I became willing to look at it. I, and then I became to understand what it was. And then I got to the place where I could say in plain English without any accusation, exactly what I did, which enabled me to be able to, to make the amends and only talk about me and the things that I did. Cause I don't want to be that person anymore. I don't want to live that way. And I, I could genuinely say that I regretted that behavior. Well, that's a miracle. So what is it? That's what we need to do in the amends is, is focus on what is the part of my behavior that I'll, you know, I've got to learn that. And it doesn't necessarily come instantly. It's not necessarily really clear right off the bat. It took me a year in that instance. In other ones, it was much clearer. But, I mean, I think that's what the answer is. And one other thing I'll say about that is it's not, I didn't want to make amends too early. There was one person, an ex-girlfriend, that came into town when I've been sober a month. And I hadn't even completed an inventory in uh, step four and five. And I was going, oh, this is an act of God. She's in town. I need to make amends. <laughs> And I talked to, uh, my sponsor was out of town, so I was going, oh, well, I I can't talk to him. I guess I'm going to have to do it. So I talked to another guy who had been sober for a while and and ran it by him because, you know, I had a sense I shouldn't just go off and do it without speaking to anyone about it. And I told him, and he said, I think maybe you should not do this. Uh, Why don't you wait for your sponsor to get back and the opportunity will come when you're at that step instead of jumping in at this point. I'm so glad that I didn't make amends at <laughs> They're that point. They're in order for a reason. They <laughs> are. And besides that, this ex-girlfriend, if I had contacted her and start, I would have been saying the same shit that I said mm. again and again after, I'm sorry, I'm sorry I did that. And that's not what it was about. I'm sorry you made your actions made me do that. <laughs> yes, yeah, right. <laughs> I didn't have to go that path. So I was able to make a genuine amends later. It's not that easy. It takes the guidance of a sponsor. Mm. Janet, what do you think? <laughs> and um, Sally. Oh, okay. oh hi, Maybe. Sally. Hi. Uh, you know, what Don was saying is, is you can't do it without a sponsor. Mm. You know, I just, you, you, I needed that guidance. I really did because, you know, and then some, some amends are kind of a little harder, you know, like um, I had to make amends to my mother after she had passed. 
Mm-hmm. How do you make a? What do you say is that when the possible? person is not? Well, I didn't know until I talked to my sponsor about it, and you know, and I remember going through it with her, and she's just she's so great. She at one point I was just prattling on probably um, about the amends. She said, "Forgive yourself." Oh, oh. She also helped me understand what a living amends is. So, and she also helped me understand that I need to write these things out. That's how you decide what to say. You write it out. Then you scratch that out and you write it again. And then you scratch your head and try it again and keep going over it and give it to your sponsor and then let them tear it up. And, <laughs> you know, yeah. And so, then put them on your resentment list. Uh, and... <laughs> I know, right. Why you, I worked so hard on that. That's how one figures out. That's how I had to do it. I had to go over it and I had to ask her, what do I, what do I do? What do I say? Because, you know, making amends to someone who's no longer with us, making amends to someone who would not speak with me any longer. Um, that was tough because I had to make an amends to an ex-husband who would not allow me or give me the audience. Mm. Had I tried to do that without some guidance, it would have been a, a terrible mess. It would have it would have been a good reason for me to relapse, and it would have hurt him again and more. And you were um, able to do it. I mean, I you know I had to do it with her because he he wouldn't listen to me or so let me talk. So she was like a surrogate. For yeah, him. yeah, yeah. yeah you well. Know. And Don, would you read step nine real quick? Because you know what you're talking about there mm-hmm. is, is is that second part of step nine. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, step nine made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. And if someone yeah. tells you no, yeah. that to do it to them would be yeah. an injury of sorts. Oh, and I really wanted to because part of the revelation of my becoming sober and working the program was that I understood my part in a failed marriage Mm -hmm. because beforehand I was a victim because I was always a victim because no one did stuff right or the world didn't do stuff right. So I was, I was ready to go. I was ready to, (laughs) I was ready to to make that amends. I was going to make the shit out of that amends, and it didn't matter. I'm going to amends the shit out of this amends, and I've got to because 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 I mean I was amazed and uh, that I had a part in this. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So guidance. What about yeah. you, Sam? Y'all uh, have both nailed it with uh, that that primary thing of working with a sponsor on it. I mean that that I'm I'm there with it too, and and I have worked with sponsors and trusted friends um, over the years to talk about these things, and that business of uh, of setting aside what they have have done to me. Um, one of the things that pops to mind on this for me though is, um, and and this is something that really. I was not entirely clear on, kind of fuzzy on. There's a difference between an apology and, a, and an amends. Mm-hmm. Now, I was really clear on that beforehand in that those people to whom I owed amends saying I'm sorry just wasn't it. That's an apology. Mm-hmm. But um, I hear so many people these days talking about how I need to make an amends to this person. I need to make an amends to you, this, this that, or the other. And really... All they need to do is make an apology. 
because mm. they didn't cause any harm. I said something wrong to you. I, I, I told you a lie. Well, if it didn't cause harm, then the correction to that so obviously is making an apology, uh, owning that you did it and trying not to do it again. But there's really no amends to make there unless they like, you know, went and sold their house because you told them that they could or whatever. I mean, your lie mm -hmm. led to harm. Okay. Um, so that that's a, a thing that I've gotten very aware of lately so that um, my language, I'm, I'm a language nerd. So the, yeah, but what the, you're saying is it's more than just language. Well, like it is. Amends. So an amends is not just about owning what you did. It's about making reparations. It's about correcting it or fixing it or making things better as best you can. Like an for action. Yeah, taking action. Yeah. But sometimes you just need to own that you did it. Yep. And, you know, and that living amends part does come into play of mm. try not to do it again. <laughs> mm. I lied to you. I'm sorry. Two minutes later, I lied to you again. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's kind of like Facebook's founder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Um, so, so yeah. I mean, so I do try to uh, to change my behavior to or allow it to be changed. Quite frankly, and the thing is, I can fool myself on whether an apology is due or an amends is is owed, uh, and that's why talking with trusted friends or a sponsor and prayer is absolutely part of all that too. Mm. Great. Sally, thanks for joining us. Thanks Absolutely. For me. So glad you came. Super fun. Watch out. <gasps> <laughs> the owl just carried her away like a little lamb. Goodbye, Janet. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. The Boiled Owl podcast is posted on the 1st and 15th of every month. Visit us at boiledowlaa.org or email giveahoot at boiledowlaa.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous in your city or visit aa.org. Please note, Boiled Owl AA is produced by members of AA and only expresses our experience and opinions. It is not endorsed by AA World Services. 